All right. Welcome back to all those who are who have been away for a while. It's never the same without your space field. It's funny how people end up having spaces in church. I mean, you, you, you look at Cynthia's seat and it's empty. No, you dare not go there. You know, that's where she talks with God. <laughs> Everyone has a space. <laughs> we are people of habit. But it's good to have you back. Amen? Hallelujah. Today I want to share with us God's covering for you. It's our topic today. God's covering for you. Has anyone ever had an accident that your insurance company did not cover? Anyone? Hmm. It's a horrible feeling. I can tell you. I've had one of those. You feel exposed for something you should have done. You bear the loss on your own. I remember one time when we were running a car hire business, a client had an accident while drunk. And, and, and the car was totaled. Or at least we thought. It was insured under third party because I thought I'm saving money. But the insurance were very clear. They said, there's nothing we can do. And uh, we had to bear the loss on our own. By God's grace, um, uh, the client was, was, was uh, remorseful and they managed to put in some money and so we kind of got compensated in a way. But from that day, all the cars I've owned or we have owned as a family are comprehensively insured. Because we understand now that although people say, oh, comprehensive cover is expensive, you wait until things happen. And the insurance company says, don't worry, you're covered. Amen. So, here is the main thing about this message today. If you're going to get anything today, I want you to get this. If you do not have God's comprehensive cover, you'll be uncovered. If you do not have God's comprehensive covering, you will be uncovered. And it will be a shameful thing. It will be painful. It can drive you down the pits of despair. But here's the good news. God has got covering for his people. Hallelujah. God has got covering for his people. Perhaps King David understood about this the most. Or he must, because after all, he was a man after God's own heart. So turn with me to Psalm chapter 91. Seem to be stuck in here this, this year. <laughs> Psalm 91, verse 1. The Bible says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. A shadow talks of covering. You come back here into this place at, at 11.30, you will want covering. You can't stand there with the way the sun is and the temperatures. 35 degrees we're hitting these days. 34. You will want covering. Amen? So the Bible tells us that when you, you, when you dwell in the secret place of the Most High, you shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. 
David said, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him, I will trust. You have to make a decision to be covered by God. He will not force it on you. He will not. God is gentle. He will invite you to come under the covering, but he will not force you to be under the covering. God has given us that free will. We can make decisions. So David said, I will say of the Lord, he is my God in whom I will trust. In him I will trust. It's always about trust. Totally giving our lives to God. We were singing earlier that he's the one who owns it all. I think the writer of that song realized what we just realized earlier this, this year. To say, you know what? The truth is our lives are in God's hand. And because our lives are in God's hand, God is covering us. He makes sure that we are okay. He makes sure that whatever happens in our lives is for his glory. Verse 3. Surely he can deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the pestilence, from the perilous pestilence. We, we need to start taking a look at adjectives these days and, and in, in the word of God because they just bring out a lot of meaning. So it is saying that God will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. The fowler talks about someone who is hunting bird or, or fowl. Okay? That's where it comes from. Fowl. So there's someone who is actively looking for God's people and wants to bring them down. But God will deliver you from them. And it says there's a pestilence. It's not just any other pestilence. It's perilous. But God will deliver you from them. Verse 4. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. Do you see all that God is doing to make sure we're covered? Let's take it one by one. He shall cover you with his feathers. It, it gives me a picture of a hen. Now we've got some chickens at home. And some hens had chicks not long ago. And there were hawks in the area that would come and prey on the chicks. A chick, the hen would dare the hawk. Every time the hawk comes in, the hen would give a certain call. And all the chicks would know, this is danger, we better run to mom. And they run there and the mother just takes them all under her wings. Now a hawk is much more stronger than a chicken. The biggest chicken you can think of, a hawk can take it. But she dares the hawk. You dare not touch my babies. Every mother in here understands that. There are times things have happened to our children and I've said, you know, I've seen my wife go into what I call the mother hen mode. Or you think she is nice, but when she's in mother hen mode, you, you, she's a different person. She's saying, for you to get to my babies, you go through me. And she could be daring somebody much bigger than her. And under his wings you shall take refuge. There's refuge under the shadow of the Almighty, under his wings. 
Hallelujah. God, God has got you covered. Matthew chapter 23, verse 37. Matthew chapter 23, verse 37. Jesus has just finished denouncing the, the scribes and the Pharisees. And then he looks at, at, at Jerusalem and he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You can almost see him crying and say, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. The one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. These people are living in total rebellion against God. And yet, Jesus is crying out to them and he says, How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her cheeks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, that's the problem right there. God has got us covered in all areas of life. But many times, the issue is we are not willing. We're saying, oh God, it's alright, I've got this one. You don't have to do this. I'll be back after I've sorted it out. But how many of you know that many times we come back a mess? Wanting to come back under the shadow, under the covering that God had for us in the first place. If only we had remained there, we wouldn't have had to go through so much pain and so much suffering. A chick that wants safety has to be willing to go under the wings of the hen. Because if it doesn't make a decision to say, mom has called and I need to dash there for my own safety. If it doesn't make the decision to go and hide under the wings of the mother hen, that chick is gone. And the predators know who to attack. They usually will not attack the biggest. They will go for the weak. They will go for the young. They will walk, go for the sickly. Because they are much more powerless. I'm not sure, so sure if this is, um, this is a place that I shared about this one time. I learned this uh, through National Geographic about how buffaloes uh, protect each other. Now, a teenage buffalo can weigh half a ton. An adult buffalo, much more. Okay? And they've got very sharp horns. But then, on the other side of the predator are lions. Who know that buffalo meat is prime beef? Okay? But lions have also learned that you don't go one-on-one -on -one with a buffalo. A fully grown male lion cannot take on a young buffalo. It can't. Because buffaloes have got a temper. They are heavy. So you're basically looking at some really heavy, bad-tempered piece of beef against you. So what the lions have learned is to strategize. They say to themselves... Okay, we have watched, they will study the herd of the, of the buffaloes. And the buffaloes have learned how to take care of themselves. They, they put all the weak, all the young, all the sickly, all the elderly in the center of the herd. The ones that are fit are the ones that are around the herd. And usually the leader of the herd is behind. He's watching who is left behind. I need to stay with them. It's amazing. 
So what the lions have realized is that you just can't go into a herd and pick out the weak one. You can't. You are, you are dead. Those horns are really sharp. And I've watched a few videos where lions really don't stand a chance. One lion against the buffalo, they don't stand a chance. So what lions have done is that they love ambush. They love to ambush. It's a silent attack. They will be following the herd for a while. And then they will pick up the weak ones. They will pick out the old ones. They will pick out the ones that are young. Usually not the ones who are in the center of the circle, but the ones who can't keep up. Then there are those who think, I can make it on my own. They are also the targets for the lions. And it usually takes about three or four lions to bring one buffalo down. Never one. Three or four. So what the lions do is, they will just see, okay, this herd is going that direction. So what they will do is they will go at, uh, at strategic points and at the right time, all this time, the three or four have already picked out their target and they will let out a roar that will basically scare the buffaloes. One of my kids likes to do this. I'm minding my own business, in my own house, and they just come, boom! You know that feeling you go, and they say, ha, I got you. <laughs> it's a thing we got going. That's what the lions do. Boom! And there's commotion. And in that commotion, the three know where to go. It's the one who's been isolated who is weak. It's the one who decided, ah, I can make it on my own. I don't need the herd. Those are the ones that are taken. It's the sequence. Are we a buffalo herd? As a church, do we know who are the weak ones? Who are the sick? Who are the elderly needing help? Because there's a very real lion out there who is roaring for us. When you make a decision to stay under the shadow of the wings of God, you're safe. In John chapter 10, verse 27, I want you to see that there's a real loving God who is here to protect you, care for you, and provide for you. Amen? In all that God says for us to be and to do, it's because he wants to provide for us, he wants to protect us. Verse 27, John chapter 10. The Bible tells us these words. John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Do you see that? He's saying... In the book of Isaiah, it says, I have engraved them in the palm of my hands. Now, I've talked about engravings before. An engraving is not a scratch. An engraving is so intentional. You, you scratch something that you want to remain for good. And God has engraved you in the palm of his hands. And he says, this one is the apple of my eye. 
No one can snatch these people out of my hands. Verse 29. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hands. You go deep into where God's secret places. You make God, you seek God with all your life, all your might, all your intellect. You stay there where God wants you to be. Nobody will snatch you out of God's hand. They have to go through God first. Because he's the hand who's saying, these are my chicks. And by the way, the mother hen knows when to send those chicks free again. Don't you go out before he tells you it's okay to go out. Amen? We'll do application and all these things are going to make sense. But the point is, we are God's very own people. He has chosen to be with us. We are Christ's ambassadors. And it was taught in this very church that that means we are the representation of God on earth. When people interact with you, something should go off that says, I think this one walks with God. I think this is the person I should be talking to. And it turned his away. Amen. God wants to be with us. He has always wanted to be with us and he will always be with us. I will never leave you nor forsake you. In Matthew chapter 28, when Jesus was giving them the, the, what we call the great commission, he says, all authority, verse 18, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. When you go into the book of Revelation, the amazing thing about heaven is not going to be the streets of gold, much as that is amazing. Uh, it gets with all sorts of jewelry and all that thing. But the amazing thing the Bible says is that God will be with his people. Amen? So he gives us a foretaste now when we have Jesus in our lives. The Bible says that Jesus, his other name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. God wants to be with us. Because he knows that when he is with us, we are covered. We are protected. We are alright. Hallelujah. So let me give a side note. God's covering does not negate hardship in the believer's life. Amen? Mm. It does not take away hardship in the believer's life. In fact, those who are willing to live a godly life will suffer for Christ. David was on the run for 13 years before God made him king. And yet he was aware of God's covering. He would tell testimonies of how he killed the bear and how he killed the lion. But when Goliath stood up, David understood that I am I, I'm with God. God's on my case. He understood that covering. Even as a king, he needed that covering. Many times you see David the king asking the question, Lord, shall I go for my enemies? Will I pursue them? Will I overtake them? And God would say, go. When God said no, he wouldn't go. Today, we call that Galatians chapter 5, 16, walking in the spirit. 
where the spirit of God says, you take two steps forward, we do two steps forward. When the spirit of God says, stop, you stop. I've told you before about what it is like when a couple is dancing. Okay? I'll never de- demonstrate this before you. But when I'm dancing with my wife, I lead the dancing. There are things you do that tell you, turn. You're dancing backwards. You're dancing forwards. This is the time I let you go and you do your twirl and everything like that. Somebody leads. If she doesn't follow or she misses the cue or I've miscommunicated, chaos happened. You stepped on my foot while you're dancing. That's what God wants. Pray, you pray. Read the word, you read the word. Talk to this one, you talk to that one. Encourage that one, you encourage that one. Amen? Always, always aware of the presence of God and his leading. Jesus was aware of the covering of his father as he was doing the ministry. All the time, Jesus would say, I only do what I see my father do. And he understood that that was the place to be. There was a time Jesus asked his disciples, because uh, um, we are told it was Peter who cut off the ear of one of the servants of the temple. He, Jesus says, no, 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 no. no. Don't you think that I cannot pray to my father who will give me more than 12 legion of angels? He knew he was covered with God. But this one time, this one time, it had to happen that the covering of God should have been, should be lifted. And Jesus felt the anguish of being separated with God and that is why he cried out, my father, why have you forsaken me? It wasn't the pain of all the beating and whatnot, although that was painful. But the most painful thing he experienced was separation from the covering of God. That one time when God decided, I will take all the sin of the world and put it on my son because he has to bear that sacrifice for the rest of the others who are yet to come. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were aware that no matter what happened in their lives, God was always covering them. Such that when the king made a demand, they said, King, we don't need to discuss with you on this matter. Our God will save us. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow to you. And the book of, the, of, of Isaiah, the, the words in the book of Isaiah chapter 43 were fulfilled. That when you go through the fire, you will not be burnt. They could have died in that fire, but I want you to notice that God was in the fire with them too. So it doesn't mean that when you say you've got the covering of God, you don't face hardship. Stuff happens. Same thing with Daniel. I mean, to be next to a lion, that's, that's not ordinary pussycat. A lion is, is a lion, no matter how small. But God sent his angel there. Those lions could have eaten Daniel, but I want you to know, Daniel would have still been under the covering of God. Moses is the classic one. In Exodus chapter 33, he tells God, because in Exodus chapter 32, you must understand the children of Israel have done their thing again. Okay? Their thing, that thing. Oh God, we don't like your cooking. Oh, you wanted us to die here in the desert. Oh God, you wanted... They, they, their thing. So, God tells Moses, okay, and now I'm sending you to the promised land. And Moses is, is mindful of what the children of Israel have been, the trend they have set. 
and he says, he, he, he kind of catches it that I think God will not go with us. So he says, Lord, who are you going to send with us? He says, my presence will go with you. But Moses has been with God a few times uh, at the point where God is almost giving up on the children of Israel. So Moses says, unless you go with us, I'm not leaving from this place. I'm not. You're saying you send an angel ahead of us. I, I don't want an angel. I want you, your presence. Because he had understood that it is better to be with God's covering in the desert than to be without God's covering in the promised land. Think about that one. Many times things come our way that look good. Things come our way that look promising. Things come our way that say, where you are really is not a good place. You better come here. But if God is not going to go there with you, if he's not willing to go where you are going, stay where it looks like a desert. God will cover you there. He can feed you for 40 years. Their shoes never wore out for 40 years. God can do that. I never used to think this was possible. But I remember for quite a long time, I, we, we, we had a dry spell in life, in our family. Buying a shoe was an issue. Have you been there? If you haven't, may it not come up. <laughs> but buying a shoe was an issue. And I remember there was this, this shoe. It stayed for years. It never wore out. It's kind of like the when, when the Bible says that when they came into the, the promised land, the manna ceased. I think that's what happened to that shoe. Because when things started getting better, all of a sudden that thing wore out. So Moses understood that I would rather be where God is, even though it looks like it's in a desert, than to be where God isn't. No matter how nice it looks. Amen? Am I saying abundance is bad? No. But you'd rather have abundance with God. All I'm saying is that God covers us. And he never removes his covering no matter what we're going through. Things happen in our lives that make us query God's covering. That make us question God's covering. Is God still here? Is God still protecting us? Have you been there? Do we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes. Are we sincere in our seeking him? Yes. And yet things happen that are not very different from what happens to those who are not yet in Christ. We get swindled. Us believers, we get swindled just like those who are not in Christ. People come and they dupe you and you say, how did I not pick it? Where was God's discernment? Have you been there? Things happen to us. I know believers whose houses have caught on fire. Freak accident. The whole, whole house goes up in flames. And they had worked for years to build that house. And it was a, a place of peace. It was no more paying landlords kind of joy that they got. It, and the house just goes up in flames. Some, some freak accident like that. I've, seen, I've known believers get mugged. They were going home after a hard day's work. They get mugged. 
I know of believers who were attacked in their house, and uh, up to now, there are scars of that incident, even though it was like 10 years ago, some nieces were raped. I think a God-fearing family. Things happen. We are unjustly treated. Believers have daughters who come home pregnant or sons who are on their way to jail. Things happen. Some things you cannot explain. Ask Brother Job. He was an intercessor. He would pray for his children. And through no fault of his own, it was simply God bragging on Job and Satan said, ah, it's because you have hedged him around. And God said, okay, remove it. Let's see. And God, Job goes through hell. Literally, he goes through hell. He, he wishes he were dead. But he, he makes up his mind and he says, even though things come this bad, far and they are this bad, I will not curse God. Because I know my Redeemer lives. My Redeemer is the one who, who, he, will, who he will explain this. And you'd think that after such an ordeal, when he, he questions God, that God would come and say, oh, I'm sorry, you have sores on your skin and so on. No, that's not what God does. God says, okay, you stand up, I'll question you like a man. Were you there when I was making the foundation of the earth? How do you, how do, you do that to somebody who has gone through pain? But by Job chapter 40, I think... Chapter 40, Job, when God finished questioning Job, all the questions that he had about, about God became irrelevant. And the Bible says, I took my hand and I put it on my mouth. Because I did not understand how awesome God is. And he repents. And God says, okay, now about your friends. He sorts them out that too. And God restores him. God had never left Job. He had actually covered him so that Satan should not finish him off. So, things happen in life. I want, I don't know why this, but I want you to know, God will cover you even in death. Psalm 23, verse 4. Yet thou walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For God, you are with me. Your rod, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, I have known three people who have passed on, who were, well, two were very close to me. I'll tell you about the first two and the, not the good news one later. But the first one was my mother. The day she died, that's when I think I begin to get an understanding that for people who die in Christ, it's a blessed thing. She never spoke to me in Tumbuga, ever. But that day, she spoke to me in Tumbuga, an equivalent of, get my bags, I want to go home. And she's getting worse. I said, mom, you can't go home. And she was disappointed that I didn't get what she was saying. I only got to understand later that what she was saying is, I want to go home to be with the Lord. And the things that happened, the things he had said and so on, I, I, I can tell you she knew she was going to be with the Lord. The second one was my father-in-law. He started talking about 
I want to go to a home. I want to go my, to, to my home because it's so beautiful. My home is so beautiful. That's where I want to go before he died. Now, those of you who have been where my father's home is, he called it so beautiful. He would take care of his lawn and so on. But the way he described the so beautiful a few days before he died, we, we, we realized, ah, okay, this guy is living. Now, there's another family member who did everything that anyone in sin could do. Okay? She lived a wild life and she didn't care about God. You tell her about Christ, she, she never wanted to listen. That you were wasting her time. She would actually mock me because that time I, was, I had now graduated but I was doing ministry at, at Chancellor College and she would mock me about going to, to, to teach the word of God and so on. She got sick. The day she died, just a few moments before she died, she cried cries of pain about things that were coming to pick her up. She didn't want to go. It was painful. So, when the Bible says that, yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me, your rod and your staff comfort me. I'm convinced that even in death, God covers us. God will cover us when that time comes. Amen? But, you have to choose the Lord's covering like a chick chooses to be covered by its mother. Or you'll be exposed to the enemy for easy pickings. And then you'll be exposed for easy pickings. Because how many of you know, if you're a lion, you'd rather take down a young bull than a totally fully grown one. I want you to go to YouTube today and just, just look at how lions hunt buffaloes. Just watch. And that's what the evil one does. The moment you begin to isolate yourself from the covering of God, you're dead meat. Because that roaring lion that the Bible talks about in the first book of Peter is a real lion. And he wants you. So I want you to understand that the Lord wants to protect and provide the best for you. Some practical applications. I want us to do some practical applications. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 6. The Bible there talks about the different ministries that he has gifted the body of Christ with. Verse 11. And he himself, that's Christ, eh? gave some to be apostles some to be prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Those are the ones that Christ gave. Just forget for now about all false prophets and all these things. Just forget them. There are really genuine prophets around. There are evangelists. There are pastors. There are teachers. There are prophets. They, I want you to know that Christ has given these people, verse 12, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for edifying of the body of Christ. Okay? Ephesians chapter 12, 4 verse 12, verse 13. Till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He wants us to grow. He wants us to be a people that are maturing. Hallelujah. Now we all like maturity. When somebody's mature, we like it. We want those people around us. We want to listen to them. And that's what God has given 
these gifts to the church so that we grow in maturity. That we should no longer be children tossed to and about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. I can tell you there are people out there, they are spinning scripture deceiving people. It sounds good. When the Bible says that in the last days there shall be teachings of demons, you will never see a demon stand up here in its true colors. It will be through people who have given themselves under the covering of the evil one. And they will teach teachings that are not from God. Make them nice enough for you to be hooked. All you need is one hook, you see, and you're gone. Verse 16. From whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint... Sorry, verse verse, uh, 15. But speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. From whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share. Every part does its share. Every part does its share. That's you and me. And we cause the body for the causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Now, verse 15 tells us that Christ is the head. Okay? In, 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 um, in, 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 in trying to understand the, the, some of the practical applications here, we need to understand that the body of Christ has got Christ as the head. Okay? It's like this. This is my head. It's the head of this entire body. The decisions come from here. There's a lot that happens in the head, but it is concerning this body. So Christ is the head of his body, of which we are part of. All right? It is a wise thing to stay under the covering of the gifts, the giftings that God has given to the body of Christ. Let, Let me give you this picture. You see, the Bible tells us to be obedient to the leaders. Hebrews chapter 13. I want us to go to Hebrews chapter 13. Verse 17. It says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give Count. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable to you. There are gifts of leadership God has given to the body of Christ. Evangelists, apostles, pastors, preachers, uh, teachers, prophets. They have been given to you. And their job is to make sure that they watch over your souls and they must give an account one day to God. The people you gave us this is the account. And says, they need to do that with joy and not with grief. If you have been, uh, if, you, if you have taken care of animals, usually there's one or two who are renegades. They give you headaches. True or not? <laughs> when you're leading a team, there are, there are some members in the team, you, they all, they give you headaches. 
Headaches you can deal with, but grief is something much more deeper. The Bible says when you obey those who are in leadership, it will be profitable for you, not for the leader. Hello? So God has given us pastors, he has given us evangelists, he has given us prophets and all this. Now, let's take KICC Malawi, for example. The overall person in charge is Pastor McDuff. Okay? He is the one who has the covering of KICC in Malawi. We've been friends for 28 years. 28 years. But when it comes to things of ministry, God says, you obey. Friend for 28 years, yes. But in ministry, he's my leader. And there are times he has given me a call and said, Pastor Sung. He literally says, it's Pastor Sung. And asking me to do something which I'll have to go out of my way for that thing to happen. So I could say, yes, I'll do it. Or I'll say, yes, I'll do it. You understand the difference, eh? Yeah. And it doesn't happen. And God says, you obey. Sometimes I have to rearrange my schedule and make sure that what he's saying regarding this ministry is done. Do I do that because he's my friend? No. It's because he's the leader God has given me. And when I obey him, it will be for my profit. So God has given you pastors. God has given you deacons. God has given you CHF leaders. God has given you the music director. Winning women, you have leaders there. Obey them. If you don't like them, at least do it because it will be profitable for you. Be selfish in this regard. Because I know at some point he has to answer to Pastor Debo, Pastor Andy, and they have also to answer to Pastor Matthew. And Pastor Matthew has got also people he has to answer to. There's a covering. Amen? In the end, it's Christ who is the head of this thing. So, stay under the covering where God has placed you. It's not a mistake that you are in KICC. That God has put you here and they said, these are the people that are going to lead you. These are the ones I have set over your life to keep watch over your soul. The least you can do is just obey because it will be profitable for you. That gives a responsibility on us to make sure that we are not doing things in Tumbuka, it sounds really good. We're not doing things as a breaker breaker. We, we have to be serious about the ministry God has given us. This is not child's play. Amen? I remember one time I was speaking at a youth service at, at, at another church. And you know how people, we, we like talking to the visiting preacher. After the service, I've seen this before. After the service, the man of God has preached and then he says, I'll be available after service, me and my team 
and we can talk and so on. And it's happened with, with Pastor McDuff. I remember one time at Bunda, he was so tired. He told them, I'll be here, but there'll be me and my team who will talk. And everybody wanted to talk Pastor McDuff. I was there standing, available. I start talking to them, and by the end of the day, they say, yeah, but I'm waiting for the preacher. <laughs> now, the guy has said, I have come with my team. I felt sorry for him because he was tired. I was like, I wish I could take some of that work off his hands. But the people want to speak to the preacher. You know, after all, the anointing was on the preacher, not you who just came along. So I told this group, I said, after this, because I was talking on a very sensitive subject, how to be free from pornography. If you're interested, I did a recording I can share with you. It's my personal testimony. And I said, you know, at the very end, we can talk. You may contact me. But by the end, of the, the end of the day, you must know that I will refer you back to your pastor. Because he is the one who is in charge of your lives. He is the one God has given to watch over your souls. So the initial work you may do with me, we can talk about how to tackle this thing and all that thing. All that kind of thing. But by the end of the day, I would say, you go back to Pastor Maya because he is your pastor. God has given him to cover you. Not me. There's a reason why God took those young men under Pastor Maya's wing and not my wing. So stay there. Stay under the covering of the people God has given you. Now I understand when Paul was writing in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 5, when he says there was, there was a brother in the Lord who insisted on living in sin. And he said, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. This person insists on living in sin even though they are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, delivering to Satan means you are excommunicating that person. Okay? In other words, you are taking them from or under the covering that God has given. Excommunication is a serious issue. So when we're dealing with sin in our lives, we better be ruthless. Because let me tell you, when you come, when you are excommunicated, when you are handed over to Satan and you are isolated, how many of you know the lions are waiting? The minister of the Lord thought of several instances. He was talking about discipline in the church. He says, when they learned about this verse, what Paul meant here, they started implementing it in their ministry. So if someone is living in sin and they don't want to be repentant, they don't want to change, what the pastors would say, let's pray and release them from the covering. And they would pray and release them from the covering. Those are very difficult prayers for pastors to pray because by nature we want, we want the people to stay. But there was one guy, he was living a loose life. He would do it right in front of his wife and bring the women in the, children, in the house and so on. They confronted him. He would answer them with arrogance. He says, you have never seen arrogance. This guy was arrogant. He would bring the women in the, children, in the home and his wife is there. So they tried to talk with him and nothing happened. One day he left them in the house. He said, whether you pray or what, I don't care. He left and they said, okay, brother, it's time to pray that prayer. There were two pastors. And they prayed. They said, Lord, we are releasing him from our covering. 
the covering you have given us. Three days later, the guy called. He said, what are you guys doing? Things are not working well in my life. I feel like there's something after me. Can I come and we should talk? He said, I told him, all that I needed to say to you, I have said to you. Just do it, then we'll meet on, on, in church on Sunday. We, we must be aware about the issue of spiritual covering. It's very important. It is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. We cannot spit God in the face and hope that we're okay. Everything is fine. Uh-uh. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13. Now, that is as re- we have just talked about covering in terms of the church. All right? So, please, let, let me say something very interesting here. You came to KICC of your own will. You did membership classes. You decided to stay. When it comes a time that you've decided you want to move on, please come to the pastors and say, Pastor, God is moving me on. Okay? I think the CCP have got this one right. Because you can't just move from one church to another and start participating in that church without anything else. They will write a letter. This was our member, and he is free to worship with you, to fellowship with you. Because what is happening is they are transferring the covering. Where you go, you will be safe. Okay? But this thing of you just disappear. The next thing you want a reference later, 10 years down the line. We will say, yes, they used to be our member. But we can't vouch for their life in Christ between here and there. We will write that letter and give it to them. It's very important. Amen? So when that time comes when you have to leave, if you have to leave, come and say, this is, we might ask a few questions, but you know when you have made a decision, there's really not much we can do. And we'll say, right. And you send you off to wherever you're going to go. We need to transfer that covering. Alright, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 3. The Bible says, but I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of every woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. So this is how it works. I'm looking for... There is God. He is the head of Christ. Okay? Then there is me. Christ is my head. Alright? Then there is her. My wife. I am her head. And they are the children. That's God's order. You mess with that, you pay. It's just the way it is. Reference that to Ephesians chapter 5 verse 23. The husband is the head of the wife. And then the children come under both parents. And it is the the duty of the children to obey their parents in the Lord. Because if you don't, it will not go well with you. 
This is the one commandment that is there in the Old Testament. It is the one commandment that's carried through into the New Testament. When you do not obey your parents, when you do not honor your parents, it does not go well with you. You may not like your parents. You may not like the way they look. You may not like the way they have treated you in the past. But the Bible says you honor them. Obey them. Because they are your parents in the Lord. When you do that, it will go well with you. You want a breakthrough? Honor your parents. Amen? They may not even be born again. Honor them. So most marriages are struggling because they have messed up this order that God has given. And usually, the feminist movement hasn't done us justice, really. Because they say, ah, submit to who? You should be free. You should be free from bondage. But listen, in my life, some of the most influential people who have influenced my life are women. Much of what you see here, I attribute to this woman. Her submission to me does not give me license to oppress her. Because my head, who is Christ, shall demand accountability of how I treat her. The other day, pastor was preaching about how if I don't live well with her, my prayers are hindered. It's a huge responsibility. Well, that means the way I treat her is not necessarily just based on the fact that we are husband and wife, but also on my obedience to Christ's command. Because the other side of the coin is that you love her, just like Christ loves the church. Christ is not asking us husbands to do anything he's not doing. When he says love your wife, he's saying love your wife the way I love my church. So you've got to study how Christ loves his church even today. You do that to your wife. Unless she is that woman will find it easy to submit to your leadership. If you love her the way Christ loves the church. She said amen, my wife. And I can tell you it wasn't always like that. But when we began to learn these things and implement them in our marriage, a lot of things are just beginning to unravel. I can't go into details. It's another long story. <laughs> but that's God, God's order. That's God's order. We were discussing the other day, isn't it amazing that the very extreme of the feminist movement says we don't need men. Okay? So because of changing laws and so on, women getting married with women, men getting married with men, Romans chapter 1 will address that. I will not go into it. But you're messing up with God's order. But at some point, these two women who are married end up saying, we need a child. The two men who are married say, we need a 
child. How, where are you going to get them? So they adopt some poor soul from somewhere who is innocent and you bring them into an institution which is already dead before it takes off. Do you see how the devil is messing with us by messing with the order that God has put? The Bible says about those who are single that you should not defraud each other in the area of sexual purity. The sister who is single is your sister. (laughs) The brother who is single is your brother. So the way you treat her and the way you treat him is the way you should treat any other brother who is single. And we'll solve a lot. We'll solve a lot of things. Because this thing of, oh no, they went to a party, then she got drunk, then took, he took her to, her to his room. Why not her room? I don't know. They, they messed up. I don't stand for rape in any way. In fact, I condemn it in the strongest of terms. I've got a few friends who have been raped and I know what it is like. But there are just some things you don't mess with. Because God has put an order to those things. And when he puts an order and he says, this is the way I want things done. He is putting you under a covering because he wants to protect you. He wants to provide for you. So that means, men, we have got an opportunity to teach the young men we have in our homes how they ought to treat women. Amen? The way you treat their mother is the way they will say, if I, I, want, I want marriage because the way my dad treats my mom, I think that's the thing. They should aspire to that. It's not too late to start wherever you are. Amen? The way you relate with your husband will make those young men go, but it's good to be married. They will not tell you, but it's running in there. You are the role model. You are, you are modeling it. They will catch it. Be obedient to your parents in the Lord. Because there are other voices that are saying, no, you've got children's rights. Now, I've talked about this one before. My children know there are no children's rights in my home. I never campaigned. They never elected me. We chose to have them. And I've told them, in this home, it's a theocracy. I answer to God, so I'll raise you up the way God instructs me to raise you up. So it's time to pray. Let's pray. It's time for Bible study. It's time to work. You work. I need you to do this. I need you to do that. There are times I've had to come in and say, you can speak to your mother that way, but not my wife. You, you, you make sure the order of God is instilled and everybody knows it. Because we have understood, we have learned. We mess with that order we pay. Do I oppress my children? No. I'm just saying I'm raising them up in a different way. God's way. Which is the best way. Amen. Numbers chapter 30 verse 3 to 16. I want you to go and read that on your own. It's a very interesting piece of scripture that I learned not so long ago from my wife. She, she was reading and then she came across these numbers. But basically what it is saying is that 
For an unmarried woman, you are under the covering of your father. If the father is gone, there is a father figure. There should be a father figure in your life. Whom you are, un- you, you, you are submissive to. This is an unmarried woman. Now, when an unmarried woman makes a vow, and the father sees that, hey, this is not a very good vow, he can override it. That's what the Bible is saying. Are we saying this is oppressive to the women? No. But it puts a responsibility on the father to be very diligent before God in finding out what is going on in this young woman's life. She may have left home, but she's still under the covering of the father. Unfortunately, most young women will leave home and they'll say, I'm done with him. I'm no longer answerable to him. But there's a reason why God put you under the covering of the father. When you're married as a woman, you're under the covering of your husband. And if you make a vow which your husband deems foolish or not proper, he can override it. Just um, um, the, 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 the feminist movement is going, what? No! But this is God's order. And you have to decide whether to go God's way or the other way. So there was a time I came home and my wife said, I bought a plot. What? We didn't discuss this. I just I bought a plot. That's a whole other story. But I said, okay, let's start. It's where our house stands today. I said, let's start. I didn't override that. But I would have loved if we would have discussed it. No, we couldn't have discussed it because she said I was slow, I was a bit stubborn, which is true, by the way. But I could have overridden that and given back the money. So the responsibility was on me to see whether this was wise or not. Numbers 30. There are times that overriding has had to come. It also talks about (laughs) the widow. The widow has to be covered by somebody. Remember, the head of every woman is man. Let me give an example. So when my father-in-law passed, I I witnessed what Kusesa is in Tonga, under Tonga culture. What they did was, they asked her, they said, so do you have any interest to remarry? Goodness me, you're asking a 73-year-old that. But anyway, it's tradition. (laughs) And she said no. And they said, all right, now we, the Kapoti clan, pledge to take care of you. And there were symbols done to show that they will take care of her. Nice clothes were bought, dresses were made, just to, it's symbolism to say, we will take care of you. You are under our covering. I said, oh, miambaina imabangazambaipo. This was biblical. They were saying, this widow is under our covering. Because she needs to be protected. She needs to be 
provided for. When you read Numbers 30, the true intention of why God did that was to take care of the women. To cover them. And that covering is going to come from the men in her life. Amen? Things happen. My father dies and all of a sudden I feel a need to cover for my mother. And I'm making decisions, huge decisions as a young man. There were times I would go into mother hen mode. Remember that one? Yeah. You, you just didn't touch my mother anyhow. I may be small, I may not have resources, but I, I went into that mode and things happened. Numbers 30 is an example of how covering works. Covering works. Genesis chapter 2, when you talk about relationships, verse 18, it was not good for man to be alone. By the time you come to verse 23 and 24, God has brought the woman to the man and they were naked and they were together and they were not shamed. Ashamed. Those are the boundaries within the confines of marriage. That's the covering. You step out, you are out of the coverage of God. And it's dangerous because the lions are waiting for the weak buffaloes, for the isolated ones, for the elderly, the ones that are isolated. You don't want to be isolated by staying out of the covering of God. Colossians chapter 3 verse 22. And that's where we end up in terms of practical applications. Colossians chapter 3 verse 22. All right. There we are. We are in the usually hard to find book of Colossians chapter 3 verse 22 within a few pages, but it's there. <laughs> verse 22 says, Born servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. The famous verse 23. And whatever you do, do it in heart, do it heartily, as to the Lord and not to men. For those of you who work formal employment or even at your business place where you, you answer to somebody, your covering is with your boss. Now I'll not tell you, ask you to show, give me a show of hands and tell me whether you like your boss or not. That's irrelevant. Your boss may live like he just came from the devil's party last night. You may not like them, but the Bible is saying you should obey them in all things. And the service you should give at your workplace should be as unto the Lord, not as unto them. Not only with eye service where you perform because they are there, you perform even though they are not there because for you, you understand this service you are giving through this, this, this job that you have is to the Lord. Because like it or not, like your boss or not, when things happen, they are the ones who are going to cover you. If you die today, your boss is going to be probably the one speaking at your, 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 your funeral. And they will talk about oh, how valuable you were and how dedicated you were. Oh, we will miss the, We can never replace and two weeks later they have got the advert out in the newspaper. They will cover you. They'll make sure all that is due to you, due to, to your beneficiaries, comes. 
if anything happens in your line of work, he will, they will cover you. Amen? When you are someone who employs people, you understand that there are something, you actually know that this time people are working because I'm here. And when you leave for a meeting or something, you actually know these people are playing. They are doing their own thing. May we be not those kinds of people. May our service be as unto the Lord, whether they have their eye on us or not. Because we understand the principle of the covering that God has for us. Now, understand, these were bond servants. These were not civil servants. These were not staff. These were not employees. These were bond servants. That's a totally different story. They didn't want to be slaves. These were slaves. This, this, this um, translation uses the word bond servants. But that, that's a slave. And he's telling you slaves, be obedient to your master. The one who bought you at a market the way you buy chickens. He says, you be obedient to them. Where your rights are stripped down to the bare necessities of life. He says, you obey them. And you give them a service just like you would give to the Lord. Because your covering is there. Whether you should stay in that job or not, that's another story. But no matter what they like, if you think serving under a difficult boss is hard, ask King David, his boss wanted to drive a spear in his ribcage on more than one occasion. Talk about hatred. Maybe these days they do it in more subtle ways. I don't know. But when your boss takes a spear and wants to drive it into you on more than one occasion, that it takes the boss's son to say, Ajmen, Tawani. David leaves that house He's living as a fugitive, but his allegiance is still to the king and the throne. Such that when an opportunity comes for him to dispose of Saul, and one of his men saw it, he says, this is the time, he says, "Uh uh-uh, you cannot touch the Lord's anointed. We're talking about covering. Even though his boss didn't like him, he understood, this is still my king. God is using him to cover me. So submit. So, the takeaway is this. If you do not have God's comprehensive covering, you will be uncovered. The covering says, drive on the left-hand side of the road. Okay? I remember a brother was saying, it's amazing. Here the government has put a dual carriageway from city center now all the way to the new stadium. And you still find people, now the interchange is open, you still find people going the opposite direction. There was this video, these guys, they are going over the, towards the interchange and, and there's a car that is going the opposite direction. How? How? For those of you who have driven through there, you are going to city center. 
Okay? And there's a car in your lane, not in the other double lane that way. In your lane, it's going the opposite direction. How? People, how? I'll tell you how. Somebody decided this provision I can play around with. It's too long. I don't understand this new thing of 10 left and to go to area 49. So what I'll do is from area 18, they got on the wrong lane and they wanted to just cut through. How they were going to change from that lane to that lane to make it to area 49, I don't know. But the provision that was there, they did not use it. And as a result, they were uncovered. And should things happen, that day somehow the road traffic directorate guys were there. It didn't end well for them. That's what we are saying. God has made provision for our covering. In ministry, in our lives, in our marriages, in our families, he has made provision for our covering. Stay under the covering of God or you will be uncovered. And once you are uncovered, you are no longer under the protection of God. You are no longer under the provision of God. You are easy pickings for the enemy. And the enemy is real. The enemy is real. God's intention is to provide and to protect us. That's his intention. It will never change. But we have to choose to be willing to get under his wings and operate from there. Amen? We have to be willing. You have to make a decision and say, this is my husband. I will be submissive to him as unto the Lord. When God will work on him, I don't know. But this is what God is saying of me. I will love my wife even though she doesn't seem to be in the least bit interested to change. When that will happen, I don't know. But I will love her just like Christ loves the church. And I will read the list to the Lord. When he gives me direction on what to do, I will do it. And trust God for the rest. I will obey my parents even though they seem to be worse than the biggest dictator I've ever known. But I will trust God that he's working through them. And you know what happens is that, like for, for some of us, um, we just never understood why they had full control of the remote control. And they would say, don't watch that. Don't watch that. We never understood it. But now I'm a parent. And things have happened in my life. Now I understand why they did what they did. I remember one time my mother dragging me to what was then commercial bank. Now it's standard bank. And she said, you sign here, you sign here. She bought shares. She forced me to buy shares. She forced me to buy shares. I didn't understand it. I didn't want it. 
I'm thinking that was when we in love or something. But you know, the times I was talking about when things were hard, when the shoe didn't wear out, that time, you remember that shoe? Yeah. You, you are in the dire straits. The straits that make you stay home and make your neighbors envy your wife and say, No, he is broke. You're sitting there and your phone registers. You have received a dividend. But when I was going that day to commercial bank, I didn't want to go. She forced me to sign them. Now I say, thank you. Because those dividends have been nice. eh? Nice ones. They're increasing. The other one, not so much, but the other one. It comes in, you pay your tithe, you know, pastor prays for you. Things are looking good. But when it was happening, I did not feel like it. So for our young ones in the church, pray for your parents. That they will be connected with God. That the parenting they give you will be beneficial for you. That when you obey them, it will profit you. Now I know about profits a little bit. Profits are when what you spend is more, is less than what you get. That's a profit. Amen? So whatever you're going to spend, the the, the expenditure you're going to make obeying your parents is less than what you're going to get later on. That's what the Bible is saying. Hebrews 13 verse 17. And all that is because God wants you to do well. Whatever life throws at you, I want you to understand. As long as you are under the covering of God, it's okay. Whether it looks like the king will finally burn you, it's okay. If you get burnt, I want you to know that he will be with you even in death. He will cover you even in death. I want you to know that whatever happens in your life, whether good or bad, God's covering is still on you. God will never take away the entire hedge for Satan to hit you because he will leave a covering that says, "Uh -uh, but, but Job's life you cannot touch. That is still covering. And when he is done with his mysterious purposes in your life, because there are some people, I don't know... It doesn't make sense. I've got a friend who's HIV positive. She was raped. Believe in the Lord. She's had to live with it all these years. I don't understand that. It's the nicest people you could ever be with. Soft, gentle heart. And uh, God, why did that happen? Ah, I don't know. Why did he do what he did with God, with, with Job? He never told us. But the one thing I know about this friend of ours, God has been with her. Has been her covering. And she has reached out to many people with a situation like hers. Reached out to a lot of people than you would ever tell. So I don't know why God allows some other these things like this to happen in people's lives. But what we do know is that the covering of God is the best place to be. Because we get our protection and we get 
our provision from him. Don't stay away from the covering because the three lions are waiting for the isolated one. And you don't stand a chance. No matter how heavy beef you may be, you don't stand a chance with three lions. Amen. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 19. We're going to have our communion now. Hebrews chapter 10 from verse 19. The Bible says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from all an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is a manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. You see, it is the blood of Jesus Christ that flowed from his body, that gives us the covering that we need in our lives. Amen? It is because the blood of Jesus Christ flowed from his body, went into the ground, that he bought us from the evil one. He was buying his very own. That's what to redeem means. And the price is paid. he paid was the price of his blood. And it is that blood that covers us. It is that blood that cleanses us. It is that blood that washes us from all sin. Amen? And all unrighteousness. So as we're taking the Holy Communion today, this morning, I want you to just thank the Lord God because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Without that blood, we were not going to draw near to the Lord we are not going to go to the throne room of heaven and obtain the mercy which we require all the time. Hallelujah. So I want us to, to, to I want uh, those who are serving communion to come up front. We are going to pray and I want the worship team to, uh, to minister any song that has to do with the word, the blood of Jesus Christ that covers us. The blood of Jesus Christ that speaks better things for us and the blood of Abel, bulls and gods, the blood of Jesus Christ is the one that has brought us the eternal redemption in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. I want us to pray now. Father, we want to thank you for your word that has spoken to us about the covering. There are leaders you have given to us in our homes, our parents, wives, husbands, leaders in the church, the deacons, the leaders of the different ministries, the pastors. I praise you, O oh God, for this covering that you have provided to us as a church. I pray, O oh God, that as we let this word sink into our lives, 
and begin to make adjustments, we shall understand, O oh God, that all this had begun because you shed the blood through Jesus Christ and give us covering from your wrath and your justice system. We pray, O oh God, that as we take this communion, that the covering of the blood of Jesus Christ shall continue to manifest in healing, shall continue to manifest in liberating people from bondage, shall continue to manifest in opening up our spiritual eyes so that we may see the things you want us to see. In the name of Jesus Christ, O oh God, we pray. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen.